Father, we thank you, God, for Christy's story. And God, the story of our lives. God, we just thank you that, God, even through our mistakes, and through the failures, God, that we can label. God, we thank you that, God, you were working all those things around to produce a miracle and a testimony inside of us. A testimony that we're going to hear about today, which is a powerful tool that, God, we can share and give and bring to other people that, God, they can experience the same hope and the power and the life change that we have. God, speak to us today. God, we're not here to waste your time, and we know for sure you're not here to waste our time. We love you. We praise you. We adore you in Jesus' name. Shout amen in the house. Come on, just knock someone around you and say, make sure you're awake. Come on, make sure you're awake. Make sure you're awake. I really pray that you had... An absolutely awesome Christmas. Thank you for everyone who pulled a tag off one of the trees and helped us to make someone's Christmas so special. Just even today, someone wasn't able to come and get their gift till today. And just to open it in the office, it was just so touching. Cara can tell you that this person said, this is the only gift I received this Christmas. And now I've finally had Christmas. And I just want to thank each and every one of you because in your giving and your obedience, you can help us to touch so many lives. The faces and the kids and just the emotions of just everyone that got and was able to be blessed. And and I I just hope every one of you was on the naughty list. No, the nice list this year. Come on, some of you have been on the naughty list. Who's ever been on the naughty list before? Come on, come on. I know, I know. But aren't you glad for that nice list? And I pray that every one of you got something wonderful. I pray every one of you ate some incredible food. Probably ate too much food. But yeah, it seems, doesn't it, Christmas is just gone so quick. It's like such a build up and then it's just gone. But you know, as I was thinking and preparing for this message today, I was thinking about Friday, just the gifts, watching our children open all their gifts and the joy and the excitement. Everyone wanted a gift. But you know what I thought? The greatest meaning of Christmas is not that everyone wants a gift. It's the fact that everyone's been given a gift. And we now have to use that gift, which is our lives, to touch other people. Your life, my life, is a gift, not only to our family, but my life is a gift to this world. 
It's a gift to this world. And it's not an optional gift whether I choose to give it or not because Jesus speaks about it in a mandatory way. Look what I mean in Mark 16 verse 15. Jesus said unto them, his disciples, as he sending each one of them out, just like he is saying to each and every one of us today, Jesus is saying, go into all the world. If you can give me that scripture, go into all the world and what? And preach the gospel to every creature. That's the gift. That's our lives. That's what God wants us to be anytime, anywhere, anyhow, and to anyone. What? We are to bring the gift of Jesus to this world. Think about this. Are you ready? God did not save you just to save you. What? Yeah. God didn't just save you to save you. I often said this. If God just saved you just so you would be saved, he would have taken you to heaven right there because it would never have been greater. It would have never been better than that. God didn't just save you just to save you, as important that is, but God has saved you that now your life can make a difference and bring the gift to everyone else around. Because in this world, there's really two categories of people. The first categories are those who are searching for him. You know those kind of people. You were in that place once. Maybe you're still in that place today where you're searching. I just don't know if this is true. I just don't know about this God stuff. I don't know about this Jesus stuff. Then there's the second categories, and that's those who have found him. Those who have experienced him. But it doesn't just stop there, does it? Because now our responsibility in finding him is to help everyone around us who is still searching for him. So there's those who are looking, those who have found him that now need to be the light directing everyone else to God. And that's what I want to talk about today. The light within. Being a light. One scripture says we are His ambassadors. We are called to be His ambassadors. What? We are called to represent Him. And what have we talked about during this series? Here's where we started, remember? We started with the warrior within. Remember that? That he is wonderful, counselor, mighty God. We're never alone. That God is there, connected with us, involved in our lives to help us and to give us the strength. Why? Because there's a battle. Say with me, there's a battle. It's a battle in our minds. It's the battlefield where the enemy comes in to try to destroy us and to take us. But what did we realize? That yes, there's a battle, but through the battle, God wants to give us a life. The struggles and the issues and the problems of life want to zap the life from us. But God says, I have come that you, that I, each one of us may have life and life of abundance. And then we went on Christmas Eve Eve to talk about, and now there's a Savior within His His name was Jesus. Why? Because he is the savior for the world. And now today we want to talk about the light that that produces within us. That now you and I need to share with the world. Look what it says in Matthew 5 verse 14. Matthew 5, 14, 15 and 16 says these words. You are the light of the world. One translation says this, you are called to be 
His light. You are called to be His light. That's the what. Say with me what. That's what you are called to be. You are called to be His light. Then it goes on to explain how we are to be the light. How we are called to shine. It says you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. One translation, the New Living Translation, says we are called to glow in the night for all to see. Kelly and I were just traveling back from rain and we traveled through Lafayette and we were on the I-10 and we were about five miles away from the bridge to come over the Mississippi. And I said to Kelly, would you look ahead? Isn't that absolutely amazing? Because in the distance, we saw such a glow of illumination in the sky. And I said, Kelly, that's what God has called us to be. We're called to be His light. We are miles away. But God wants us to be such illumination that people for miles around can see the God that is inside of us. What does that speak of? A city on a hill speaks of having consistency in our life. Because a city is a permanent fixture. Come on, it's always there. Then that doesn't mean we're always going to be perfect. Is everyone here perfect all the time. Come on, you know you're not. You get it wrong and that's okay because God is not asking for perfection because if we had to be perfect to live for Christ, we would close the door on anyone receiving Christ because it's an impossible standard. But even though it may be impossible to be perfect, it's not an excuse for neglect on our behalf because we need to be striving to be better and more Christ-like each and every day. Day. Verse 15, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. They don't cover it, they don't hide it, but they put it on a lampstand up high and it gives light to all who are in the house. Think about this, a light is used for those around, those who come in contact with us should see our light. That's your house. Can I say that? That's your house. Your workplace is your house. When you're at the mall, that's your house. When you're at the grocery store, that's your house. When you're in your neighborhood and at your home, in your family, that's your house. The Bible says you're to be a light to everyone in your house, everyone who comes all around you. Verse 16, so let your light so shine. I like that. Like what? We just saw a light, but a consistent, a permanent light for all to see at all times. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You know what I hear many times? Here's what I hear. Pastor, if only I could share the gospel. If only I could preach the gospel. If only I knew what to say. If only I knew the Bible just like you. I wished I knew chapter, verse, words to say. If I did, then I would share more to other people. What did we just read? Here's what you've got to understand. Here's what you've got to grasp. Yes, it's important for us to tell other people. But what we just read is this, that we can be the most effective by the example of our lives. 
by letting the light, the hope that's within us shine out. By living for Him, by being His light and letting other people see the joy, the peace, the comfort and the transformation that God has placed inside of each one of our lives. That's what we're all able to do. We are all able to be an example for Christ. But it's hard today, isn't it? We live in a hard world. Let's be honest. It's tough today, but it's definitely not impossible. I look around us today and the ability to share the gospel with people is so much easier by a click of a mouse now, by a few strikes on a keypad. We can literally touch this world and reach the four corners of this world almost immediately through social media and just everything that we have available. The ability to spread the word of God is endless. Yet with this endless possibility, it seems that the response of other people is harder today. Have you noticed that? For some people, they are so ready to receive, but for most people today, they're not as open as what they used to be. They're normally derogatory. They've got something negative. They've got something bad about God. They've got the wrong misconceptions that the opposition seems to be better. There's always been opposition, don't get me wrong, but it seems it's in a greater way. Why is that? Because Satan is struggling and fighting hard because he knows he's going down on a sinking ship. He knows his time is short, so he is fighting hard. So what must we remember? Here's the hope that we have, no matter how hard it may be, no matter how closed the people around you may be to the light of the gospel. Remind yourself of this, that light expels darkness. Light expels darkness. I don't have this scripture, but in John chapter 1, the Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and He became flesh, the Word, and He dwelt among us. And verse 5 says this from the Message Bible, and it says, and the life light that blazed out of the darkness, that the darkness could not put it out. I like that. That Jesus came into a darkened world, but The light that he came, the life light, the message Bible says, was so great that no matter how great the darkness was, the Bible says it could not comprehend it. It could not extinguish it. It could not put it out. Come on. We are called to be a light no matter what people say around us. Come on. There is such darkness around us. But really, if you look, the real reason there is darkness is solely because of the absence of light. Darkness is possible only because of the absence of light. This world is dark today. Why? Because we as children of God are not shining bright like we need to be. We're ashamed of the light within us. A light that wants to touch those around us. What do I say so many times? Are you ready? Don't curse the darkness. What are you to do? Light a candle. Bring a candle of hope to those around your house. Come on, say my house. Come on, I've got to bring hope to my house. It's bigger than just my family and me. It's every place that I go. And remember, the darker the night, the brighter the light shines. But pastor, what if they reject what I say? A lot of people don't want to share the gospel because of fear of rejection. I want to help you with that. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting the message you bring. 
It still doesn't help because it breaks your heart to see them reject the message. But don't take it personal. Don't take it to heart. Why? Because if you do, you won't share again. You'll put your light out. You'll cover it up. You won't be illumination to those around. Come on. It's not you they're rejecting. It's the gospel message. But notice this. Look at this statement. Their response is not up to us, but their ability to respond is. I want that to sink in deep today. How they respond is by their choice. But listen, if we don't tell them, they don't have the choice of how to respond. Because they're going to be in darkness and they're going to be bound and they're going to be oppressed. We've got to give them the opportunity, whether they say, oh, that God stuff is crazy and foolish. That's okay because I know the gospel will not return void. And if they may come back negative, it at least has gone inside of them. And we've got to believe at one time when they're alone and they're crying out to God, they'll remember those words. And it will bring to heart, it will bring to mind. I remember a story of a young man. He testified of the fact that he was brought up in church and he wandered away from church and he found himself on the streets, homeless, destitute, broken. And one day he was OD'd and he was laying literally in a gutter. People walking by and no one cared. And it was a wet and windy night and he was soaked and he was cold and he was broken and he knew that his life was over. And a little piece of paper blew on by and it nestled right beside him. And when he grabbed that piece of paper, he opened it and it was a little gospel track. And as he read the words, it says that God... God loves you. And all of a sudden, flooding back to his mind came his Sunday school teacher talking about the good shepherd who left the 99 and went after the one. Back into his mind, he heard about the Jesus who came and died for a lost humanity. All of a sudden, just a piece of paper brought back to his remembrance everything that he had heard from years past. And he said, God, if you are real, touch my life. God sobered him up and touched him, restored his family restored his life and worked a miracle inside of him. What am I saying? You be the light. It doesn't matter how they respond. Give them the opportunity to respond by being his light to a world that is lost. Not everyone likes the gospel at first. But come on, it's our responsibility to give it to them. The Bible says it in this way, how will they know? Unless we tell them. What hope is there? You know, we can get upset, and some people do. We can get upset at Starbucks, and we can say, how dare they have cups, and don't say Merry Christmas, and they don't say all this. You know what? Quit getting upset with the world that has no clue. Just start being a light and start making sure that your light is what it needs to be. Because we've got so upset with the world saying, man, I can't believe. They don't know. They don't know the light of the gospel hasn't illuminated their hearts yet. So stop getting bent out of shape about what they're not doing and start making sure you're doing everything that God has called you and I to. Because we are called as a gift to bring the light to the world around us. Remember, be reminded, know today, look, you can make you cannot make a difference unless you are different. You can't make a difference unless you are different. It's not about trying to be like everyone today. But it's for them to see 
the light inside of you. Listen to this passage of scripture from Colossians 4, 5 and 6 from the Message Bible. It says, use your head as you live. Walk in wisdom towards those who are on the outside, the New King James Version says. Don't miss a trick. Make the most of every opportunity. What an incredible picture it's painting. Be gracious in your speech. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, the New Living or the New King James Version says. Because the goal of our lives is to bring out the best in others in a conversation, not to put them down and to cut them out. Wow. What is my role? To bring out the best in other people by sharing with them the best thing that's ever happened to me, that God has come into my life. In other words, we must live prepared. We don't know the opportunities that are going to be facing us even today. We don't know what's going to be facing us tomorrow, but I want you to know that the Word of God reminds us we've got to be prepared to give an answer for the hope that's inside of us. We've got to know and be ready to share. And here's what I want to do today. I want to give you hope. I want to give you the help that you need to be able to share the light with other people. And I'm not going to give you an outline. I could give you an outline, say this, 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 and this. But if I was to give that to you and you were just to stand there and rattle off verbatim, I don't believe that would really increase the kingdom of God. Why? Because there would be no reality in it for you. So I want to give you three practical truths today, just practical things that will help the light that's within you to touch the house that's around you, that you can be the light that your house needs. I want to show you how to get the light from within and let it shine on the out. Is that okay? So you can be the gift to your world and you can touch other people with the gospel. Point number one, practical truth number one, connect with people. Connect with people. Let me say it another way. Be real with people. Too many Christians out of touch, out of reach. They just present themselves as so so super spiritual and so holy that one day maybe you'll get to here. What about the distance in between? Come on, we've got to connect that distance. We've got to connect the dots that are going to bring people to Jesus. I've said it this way for years. You've got to earn the right, I believe, to share the gospel with people. And I'm not knocking these people and they have their place and they know what God has called them to do. But just someone standing on a street corner and pointing the finger at everyone walking by and saying, you're going to hell. For most people, the response is not going to be nice. Most people aren't going to stop and say, oh, would you tell me more about it? Because to them, it's like passing judgment on them. Who wants to be a part of that? And it builds up walls so many times. Come on, what do we see Jesus did? Jesus came preaching the truth, but he connected with people and loved them in such a way. I like what Chris Hodges said. Are you ready for this? He said, you've got to connect with people before you correct people. You've got to connect 
before you correct. I think if we just go home with that thought, our light would shine a whole lot brighter. Come on, God hasn't called us to be the spiritual police for the entire world, but He has called us to be a light in darkness, and He has called us to connect with other people, to bring the hope for their lives, because many people today don't know what they're doing is wrong. They really don't. So we're going to show them. And the problem with Christianity for so long is this, that we think that we always have to be right. Come on, get that out of your mind, that you've got to win every fight, that you've got to win every argument, because you're not going to be right every time in people's mind, but God has called you to be effective every time. And we can be effective with not being right, because we can still say, well, if that's your opinion, that's fine. I'm going to be praying for you, but I can just share and we're going to read and discover about this. The tool of our testimony is a great tool that we can use in those situations to show people what God has done in our lives. But again, Jesus, he's the greatest example that has ever lived. Here's a man, Christ's child, who came to this earth and he walked this earth never compromising the truth. Never compromising in any way. But yet people were drawn to him everywhere he went. We can say, well, I've got to compromise to win people. Jesus didn't compromise. And everywhere he went, masses and crowds. Well, that was Jesus. Yes, it was. But what did he do? Here's why people were attracted to him, because he loved people first. Come on, he loved people first. He connected with them. He met their need to touch their heart. Did you catch that? He didn't just go over their heart straight away. He met a need so he could connect to touch and to reach their heart. What did the lady say? Come see a man who told me everything about me. Jesus could have started off and said, you're a sinner and you're scum of the earth and you've had five husbands and the one you're living with now is not you. Jesus didn't say that, did he? He said, go and bring your husband. Oh, well, yeah, you're right. But Jesus didn't condemn her. And because he connected with her, she brought her whole city to Jesus. And the Bible says that they didn't no longer just believe because of the words she said. They now believe because of the words they heard for themselves. And they had an encounter with God. Come on, we don't have to compromise, but we've got to love other people. Let me show you an example. I believe a great example from Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 9. It's the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Anyone remember being in Sunday school? All those things. If you didn't, you missed it. Come on, you missed it. You missed it. It says, it's Luke 19, verse 1. It says, then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. Of course he was rich because he ripped everyone off. He was the chief tax collector. The Bible doesn't spell it out really, but it does. He is one of the most hated and despised people in that town and in that area. This is a person no one wanted to see, let alone be around. And verse 3 says, and he sought to see who Jesus was. Stop there for a minute. He sought to see who Jesus was. Notice it doesn't say he wanted to hear what Jesus would say. 
He didn't want to know what Jesus knew. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But he could not because of the crowd, for he was a short little man. He was short in stature. So he ran ahead and he climbed up into a sycamore tree just to see him. Remember, I want to see him, for Jesus was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, man, I could preach a whole message on this. The place where what? Where Zacchaeus was. That's the power of the gospel. Come on. God wants to come right where you are. Many people say is you've got to be perfect and you've got to get it all right. No, Jesus is still walking into people's situations right now. And that's the power of the gospel, taking the word of God. To where people are. Come on, if you're relying on people to come into church, they probably won't come, but we are called to take it to the place where they are at to connect with people. Read on. And Zacchaeus, Jesus looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down today, for today I want to come to your house. I want to ridicule you. I want to correct you. I want to set you straight because you are an awful heathen and you need deliverance. You need to. No, 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 no. That's not what the Bible says, does it? Jesus didn't even say anything close to that. What did Jesus say to him? Zacchaeus, would you come down? Because I want to do lunch with you. Can we just connect? Can we just hang out just a little bit? He said, for today I must stay at your house. So what happened? Verse 6. So Zacchaeus made haste and he came down and received him joyfully. But those around saw it and they complained saying, he has gone to be a guest of a man who is a sinner. Do you know Jesus was labeled as a friend of sinners? Can't believe that. What a great testimony that would be. To be known that you're a friend of sinners. I didn't say that you condone the sin, but that people around you know the light that's inside of you that they can connect. Come on, they will not be corrected if not first connected. Verse 8, and Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, after lunch is the implication here. But you know, it's amazing that Zacchaeus is standing up and saying these words to Jesus and there is no record in the story of anything that was discussed at lunch. Nothing is said of what Jesus said. What he said, I don't know. There was obviously a conversation. They had fellowship. They hung out. There's a lunch that's taken. But you know what? I don't know what was not recorded, but I can know what is recorded. And it says this, that as a result, his response to being around Jesus changed everything. Come on, look what it says. It says, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, that was nearly everyone. He had stolen from them. He said, I will restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. Wow, I love that. I love that. I love that. Why? Because Jesus connected. And because Jesus connected, come on, Zacchaeus corrected. And because he corrected, he then accepted God. Come on, do you see the pattern here? As we connect, then let the Holy Spirit do the correcting. And then people's hearts will be open to do the accepting. And you may say, oh, well, that's good. It is good. But what happens if there's no connection? There's no correction and there's no 
exception. Do you see the part? We're the gift to this world. We're to be a light to those in darkness. Smith Wigglesworth, I love him. He's a man of God that lived in the late 1800s and the early 1900s in England. A man from Yorkshire, England. A hardened man who would speak with a stutter. A plumber. A man who people would walk by and wouldn't really recognize. But all of a sudden, God got his life one day. And he put out everything of the world. He wouldn't allow a newspaper into his home. He didn't want anything in his house that wasn't what God. Why? Because he says, God, I want to be such a light for you. And it's recorded that when he would walk down the street, that people would leave their field where they were working and they would fall at his feet and say, would you lead me to Christ? What must I do to be saved? Come on. He didn't point the finger and judge in everyone. What did he do? He lived such a life that his light shone out to everyone around that people corrected themselves and they accepted themselves. Why? Because he put himself in a position to connect to other people around. Our actions speak louder than our words. Now don't get me wrong. Well, Pastor Philip says I've got to go out into the clubs. He never said that. Well, I've got to go and drink with everyone so I can win. No, Pastor Philip never said that. But what he did say is this. If you want to make a difference, you've got to be different. What does the word of God tell us? We're not in the world. Or rather, we are in the world, but we are not of the world. You don't win the world by being like them. You win them by being the light as we connect with other people. Jessica once asked me, she said, Pastor Philip, with our friendships, with people who are not in church, how far should that relationship go? And I said to her this, the moment those relationships start compromising your relationship with God, you're in it too far and you need to watch out. But come on, we've got to have friends who are not saved in order to win them for Christ. Come on right now. We've got to go into the world and preach the gospel and to be the light. But remember, don't lose your light in the process because it's your light that's going to bring them to his light and to his gospel and his truth. Is that okay? Point number two, look for opportunities daily. Oh, well, I'm praying for them. Quit praying and just seize the opportunities. It's good to pray, but so many of us are praying for those opportunities and they're all around us each and every day. We're surrounded every day by those who are searching for Jesus. Those who have a misunderstanding of who He is. You see, opportunities around us are not just leading people in a sinner's prayer. But opportunities to move them down the scale. Let me show you this illustration real quick. And I've showed you this before. Let me grab this chair. Let me show you this. And I know I've used this illustration before, but it's a good one. And it goes with us. Rob, come with me right now. Okay, Rob's over here. He's at zero on the scale. I want you to see a scale across the front. Can you give me some lights up here? That would be perfect. Rob's on a scale across here. This is five. This is where he gets saved. This is the salvation experience. Over here is ten. That's just heaven. That's just beautiful. Everything is great and everything is glorious. Notice this. That it would be great that everyone we talk to, that we could sit them right in this chair and we could lead them to Christ. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. And it certainly won't happen if you are not looking for opportunities daily to touch other people. Because what our goal needs to be each and every day is this. We're connecting with Robert in the place where he's at. For what reason? Because our goal is just to move him down the scale just a little bit. Come on, we're connecting with him because we're not compromising. We're believing. If we're just trying to force him into that chair, you know what a heathen's going to say? Forget you, I'm done. 
So I'm sitting beside him at work and, and I noticed that he's a little bit burdened. And I'm like, Rob, what's up, mate? And he's saying, man, my wife just left me. And I'm like, man, I'm so sorry to hear that. Do you mind if I pray with you? Very few people are going to reject prayer. And if they won't let you to pray with them, you can still pray for them. And so we're going to pray. Well, I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask my church. You know what I've done? I've just moved him down the scale. Come on, just little by little, I'm moving him down. I'm coming back to his work the next day and saying, Rob, I've been really praying for you. Oh, man, she came back. That is awesome, man. So excited. What am I doing? I'm just moving him down the scale. And my goal every day as a child of God has to be that everyone I'm coming in contact with, I'm seizing the opportunities daily that can move people down the scale because I want him to sit in this chair. Come on. I want him to get saved. But unless I'm doing all of this, the Bible speaks about this, unless some person prepares the ground, unless someone sows the seed, unless someone pulls some weeds, unless someone does some watering, unless someone puts some fertilizer and tills it a little bit, the Bible says there's never going to be a harvest. But then you see, I'm glad that it just doesn't end there because, Rob, there's greater things. Come to church with me. Come on, get the power of the Holy Ghost in your life. Read the Word of God. Get this. Why? Because we're moving people on. But can you see the effect that we are to have on other people? Come on, have I impacted positively for Christ that person I've come in contact with? Is their life better today because they've met me? Are they laying their head on their pillow tonight saying, thank God that Philip, they may not even remember your name. Because it can be in a grocery store through the line when there's, I I remember so many opportunities where I felt like, I I don't want to, I shared this before, it was like one in the morning, I had to go and get diapers because we were out of diapers and I didn't want to be where I was at one o'clock in the morning. I knew where I wanted to be and where I was five minutes earlier, I was in cuckoo land. I, I, I was soaring logs. I was sleeping and I didn't want to get up in a cold night and go to Walgreens in the middle of the night to get diapers. And I certainly didn't want the Holy Spirit to say to me, talk to that lady behind the register. No, I don't want to. I said that. I really did. I didn't say it out loud because she would have thought I was crazy. I'm saying it inside. I'm like, no, I don't want to. I'm tired and I'm miserable and I'm upset about being, don't look at me all holy because you know you've been there too. Holy Spirit said to me, you touch that lady right now. And I'm like, no, I don't want to. And I went through and I put my machine and put my code in and went to walk away. And I felt so grieved. And I said, you know what, sweetheart? I just want you to know today Jesus loves you. And she burst out in tears. And she said, just behind me is Our Lady of the Lake Hospital. She said, I've got a family member there that's in life support that they don't think is going to make it through the night. I said, can I pray with you? Can I pray with you? I don't know the rest of the story. But you know what I did? I moved her down the scale. I pray she sat in the seat. Come on, I pray that she's living for God still now. But that's not my responsibility. That's God's responsibility because he's the one that produces the harvest. But it's a harvest according to the seeds that you and I have sown. Come on, look for opportunities daily in our life. You know the greatest tool that you have, and I've got to shut up, but the greatest tool that you have is your story, your testimony. You need to use your testimony because people can argue the word of God all they want. They can debate its interpretation, their meaning, but you know your experience is real. 
You know your experience is real. And that's what you need to share. I was just reading the other day in John chapter 9. And incidentally, come on, connect for that one year. Get the word of God inside it. Because you don't know how many messages and how many times God speaks to me when I'm just reading my Bible, my daily reading each day. Get the word of God inside of you. Make that commitment. But in John 9, Jesus heals a blind man who was blind from his mother's womb. Come on, the religious leaders began to question him. What has happened to you? It's a great story. He didn't have the answer, really. He didn't really know the answer, but the answer he had, they didn't like. He said, he's a prophet. He's got to be a prophet. So they bring his parents in and say, is this your son? And they said, yes. Well, what happened to him? Well, they're afraid because they know if they say the wrong thing, they're going to be kicked out of the temple. They're going to be excommunicated. So what do they do? They say, he's of age. Let him speak for himself. So they asked him again, what happened to you? And this is his reply. I like it. John 9, 25. He said, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. You're saying he is, but all I know is this. Come on. The one thing I know is this. Once I was this way, but now I'm that way. I once was blind, but now my life is completely changed and I'm a new person. Come on. They didn't like the answer, so they prodded a little bit more. And they asked him a few more things. And look what he said finally. Verse. 32 and verse 33. He says, I want to tell you something. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone has opened the eyes of anyone who was born blind. And if this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Come on, you can dispute it all you want, but let me tell you something. He's a God that is greater than anything man can ever do. And you have a testimony of that. You know what it was like to be bound by drugs and alcohol. You know what it was to be lost. And now you are found. People can dispute the word and the chapter and verse. But don't take my experience because it's real to me. And I know if he did it for me. Come on, I'll fight for my testimony because it's real for who God is. Oh, they didn't like his answer. They threw him out. And here's what I believe he probably turned and said to them that day. You can call him whatever you want. But my experience and knowledge of him is different to yours. Remember where we started, Matthew 5, 16. Let your what? Your light so shine that they may see what? Your good works. That they may glorify your Father in heaven. See you, 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 your, 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 your involvement, your connection. Come on, the opportunities that you are seizing each and every day. Come on, share your story. Prepare your story. If you want help with your story, come and sit down and I'll help you. I believe every one of you should get your testimony into about a two-minute testimony. A powerful testimony that you can give to other people. And remember the the three key elements of a testimony of this. Your past. Come on, the salvation experience. And what God has been doing in your life since then. And what we've got to watch is our focus could be too many times on the past. And that's good because that relates us to other people. But come on, there's no glory in what we did. The glory is in what He did when the light came within us. And our testimony needs to be, and since God's came into my life, my family's been restored. I have a job. God's doing. Come on, our testimony needs to be more about what God is doing, ongoing in our life, than from what He has saved us from. I like this. Are you ready for this? Picture a courtroom right now. In a courtroom, there's a judge. There's a jury. There's a defendant. There's a prosecutor. And what? There's a witness. You know what God has called you to be? God hasn't called you to be the judge. 
God hasn't called you to be the jury. God hasn't called you to be the prosecutor. God hasn't called you to be the defendant. God has called you to be the witness. The witness. The witness. And what does a witness do? A witness just testifies of what they have seen. Come on, I don't know about everything else, but this is my experience. This is what I have seen. Come on, look for the opportunities to share your experience with other people each and every day. Number three, invite them to a person, not a place. Invite them to a person and not a place. Not meaning you shouldn't invite them to church. But come on, we can get so religious that we can place our faith in a building. It's not church, is it? It's not coming to a service. It's encountering an experience with God. We need to bring them to an experience, not a place. We need to bring them so they can experience Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. In his book, Good or God, John Bevere writes something. He says, as he asks a question, is this revealed or communicated knowledge? He's talking about the light that we have inside of us. Is it revealed or communicated? Because he said there's a big difference because something that's communicated is something that comes by merely hearing or reading someone else's experience with God. It's communicated, you hear it. But yet there's the other thought and that is this, the revealed knowledge. When you know that you have heard from God for yourself and that thing cannot be taken from you. You see, too many people have a communicated relationship with God instead of a revealed knowledge, a life. Why? Because they've been taken to a place instead of a person. It's been the wrong focus. And I want you to invite others. But you can only invite others to a person when you first know Him yourself. Because a lot of people look at a God and they say of God, He's unreachable. Have you ever heard people say that? It's like a locked gate. I can see him, but I can't get to him because of my sins. Some people think that God's like a luggage rack. That I've got so much luggage and so much that there's no way I can get to him with all my baggage and just everything. It's, it's distancing me from God. And other people think, well, it's my efforts, it's my works, it's what I have to do to be able to get. That's not the image of God. The image and the true picture of Christ is this. It's a free gift that is freely given, freely given. Let me close with this story. Years ago, I was sharing with a young man in England at a youth camp. And this young boy had battled with drugs. He'd gone through a rough family situation and a struggle in his life. And I'm just talking to him about Jesus and nothing I am saying is getting through to him. He's asking me all the questions, but what does it feel like and how can I know and why would God... He's asking all the right questions and I'm struggling because I'm thinking I'm giving him the right answers, but it's just coming up with another question, another question, another question. And I'm praying while he's talking to me and I'm just saying in my heart, God, just give me something. Give me something. And I asked him a question. I said to him, have you ever had a Coke? I wanted a Coke, but the machine is sold out, so a Sprite will have to do. So for my story, it's a Sprite. Have you ever tried a Sprite? And he said, yeah, of course I have. Love Sprite. It's one of my favorite drinks. I said, tell me about your experience of a Sprite. Tell me about how it tasted. Well, it kind of tastes really lemony. What's lemon? And he kind of looks at me and goes, you know. I says, no, I haven't because I've never experienced it. Well, lemon is kind of like this citrusy. Well, what's citrus? 
And every question he asked, I came back and said, but what's that? What's that? What's that? And he was getting frustrated with me. And he said, Pastor Philip, what are you trying to do? I mean, I'm trying to explain to you the experience. I said, yes, just like I have been to you. And I said, what is the best way for me to know exactly what it tastes like? He said this, got to take off the lid. And what? You got to taste it. I'm telling you right now, people need to taste God. Because the Bible says this, the Bible gives us a scripture from Psalms 34 verse 8. It says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. The only real way to know him is you've got to experience him for yourself. But yet, if we're not connecting people, if we're not bringing them to that place, come on, let's be that open bottle this week. Come on, let's let them taste God in their life. Let them see God. Come on, let them have such an appetite and a desire that they they may not even know they need God. But you show them through your life how much they need Him. Come on, it's an experience to bring them to a person, not a place. You are God's gift to the world, the light within you. And it's not just for you, but for you to bring it to other people. What is Emmanuel? God with you. Thank God he's a warrior. Thank God he's there for the battle. Thank God he's there to give me life. Thank God he's the Savior that saves me. But he came to be all those things so he could be a light inside of me. So I can show other people the warrior for the battle in their minds. Come on, for the life that they need. For the Savior that they have to have in their lives. Come on, Emmanuel, God with you. So you now can share God with other people. Would you stand to your feet all over this place right now? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.